Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com, that's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com, and use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, January 11th. If it's a Tuesday, you know what we're doing on this podcast. Another edition of Tennis Point Tuesday with our friends over at Tennis Point. Of course, t- of course, Tennis Point is the best in providing the latest equipment at the best prices. You go to tennis-point.com right now. Use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, you get 15% off on all on-sale items. You'll also get a free Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. But, of course, if it's Tennis Point Tuesday, you know who's joining me on the show. It's our friend from Tennis Point, Nate Walrith. Nate, welcome back. How are you doing today, my friend? Kruskin, good to see you again. Long time, no talk. Long time no talk. It's almost like I saw you on a Zoom less than an hour ago. And, of course, it is always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you, to chat with Colleen as well, talk about all things we are doing to better collaborate, help grow our audience, help grow, of course, Tennis Point Nation. And, I mean, look, you guys have gone public. You're making acquisitions. Tennis Point, I just appreciate you're taking us along for the ride, right? We've been, since Midwest Sports, day one partners in this venture. And it's been a heck of a ride, Nate Doug. No, it has, and I think our partnership is something I look forward to continue to grow, and it's been a lot of fun to see what you guys do for not only the grassroots tennis, but then the college guys and the tour, so hopefully we can keep kind of keep things moving, and I think we can kind of tip off some fans maybe that they can look forward to seeing some, uh, as you're flashing your, your merch there now, some Tennis Point Crack Rackets merch, is I think that's what the fans, I think that's what they want. They want to be part of Team Yellow, they want to be part of Crack Rackets, and uh, hopefully we can give them the best of both worlds with some, uh, whether it's a long sleeve, a hat, shirt, hoodie. We'll find we'll we'll find something. I know the uh, with with the shipments of uh, inventory it hasn't been the prettiest scene, but we're gonna we're gonna make it work here. And uh, looking forward to getting that thing kicked off here this year. 
even if it's only one person, if we go to Cincinnati next year and someone has a Tennis Point Tuesday shirt with a Crack Rackets logo on the back, it'll all be worth it, Nate Dog. And it'll make yeah, my day. Yeah, a, a hundred thousand percent. And you know, again, to your point, those of you who are seeing this video, you will see me rocking my Tennis Point shirt. It is extraordinarily comfortable, stylish as well. And yeah, hopefully we'll be able to have more of those available for Crack Rackets Nation out there. Of course, something we always like to do on this show is talk about the latest and greatest product available for all of you listeners on tennis-point.com right now. And again, I say it all the time, dash point symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. Nate Dog, with that in mind, hit me with the latest and greatest. What should our fans be looking for on the website? Guys, so yes, like Cross can say, we do have the latest and greatest this year. It's a lot of awesome racket launches to start the year. A lot um, of new sticks down in Australia, across the board too. Every brand reloading here to start 2022. Which one? Before I, before I get into them, has one in specific caught your attention when you're watching? The Elisa Mertens back to Babolat just doesn't fit with me. I was so used to her switching, I believe, to a Wilson stick. Maybe it was head, but just a cleaner blade. I think she switched to the arrow, and it just doesn't look right. Uh, Again, that takes an adjustment. (laughs) I swear to God, I thought Naomi Osaka was using a Wilson racket in a second set of a match, but I believe she's on the Yonix bandwagon now. That's felt Mm -hmm. a little bit different. Tommy Paul, new colors on his stick. I thought the black and uh, green looked – I thought he – wielded that racket like a sword yielded uh as well wielded excuse me as well as anyone um but he's got the new blade yep everything looks good it just takes a second yep no it's true i think it does take viewers and fans a second to get used to it but that that green blade you've seen it it's it's got a heavy presence on the tour right now and tony paul just beat up francis tialfo with it uh three and two i believe or two and three uh yesterday or two days ago so uh simona halps got it as well um smitalina has it i mean obviously sitsipas has it a lot of guys are using that so the the blade is obviously kicked off in a a big way the v8 but the new ones to come out um head boom that's the one that is it's like that foam and black one Mm -hmm. you guys can shop that on tennispoint.com beautiful stick a power stick i think we've talked about it on this pod before i do um expect head to put one of their top guys in that racket if if I was a betting man. Um, no, no, uh, not sure who yet, but that's a, a great stick for all players. Uh, power racket, for sure. A little thicker beam, lighter weight. Dunlop, they just, the, the SX, $50 off right now on their rackets. The SX 300, a very similar um, silo to the Babolat Pure Arrow. Same weight, 100-inch um, frame. Great racket. Uh, I'm sure you guys have been seeing those promos all over social. Is they've done a great job of kind of uh, getting in front of fans' faces. Is it, it is? It's even got the black and yellow colorway like the Puro. So uh, Dunlop's got a a, a great um, a great line, and, a, and they're an up and coming uh, brand. So they've got that, and then the E Zone, the Yonix E Zone. It's got that icy colorway, that dark blue, light blue mix is standing out on tour, and Denis Shapovalov just led Team Canada to an ATP Cup title with it. Um, I think that's a pretty good way for him to kick off his 2022 with Felix as they were able to carry that load. And we both missed on our predictions last week. And I was I, – I was – I don't know why I didn't go with Team Canada because I was hyped to see those two kind of – that camaraderie that those two have established since they were teenagers and they just have so much fun playing with each other and they fed off each other all week long. So congrats to Team Canada and uh, the Yonks team as they launched Denis Shapovalov 
with a change from the V chord to the E zone. See, I'm putting great, an asterisk. An asterisk. Sorry to cut you off. Next to our predictions, no, you're good. because you know Camille Matrasek got COVID. He was on the COVID list, so he wasn't able to play in the semifinals. You can't. I, you know, I didn't know that was going to happen. If I would have factored <laughs> that in, I would have completely shifted my picks to Canada. Um, no, I, I mean. I think I picked Canada over Russia. No, I might not have. I don't remember. Point being, um, it was an exciting action. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm just saying I'm putting an asterisk. It wasn't gr- yeah. I'm putting an asterisk no, that's fair. next to our predictions. That's fair. I took I took Spain. I know I think over – I can't remember who I had him over either, but I know I had Spain. And, I mean, for those two guys to go knock off – We'll get to um, Bautista Good a little bit later. I promise you. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, take us there, because you know I got a lot to. There was this ATP Cup. I'm a huge fan of it. Well, I, I, I get. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. We'll get back to the tennis. I do want to let you finish up all of again all things at tennis one. Uh, tennis one. Excuse me. Tennis points because <laughs> uh, I know again many good items out there that our listeners should be aware of. Yeah, and I think it is yeah. So all these all the rackets, you guys. Do you guys ever have any questions about a racket about um, how it plays or? Uh, any, anything really, what strings pair well, pair best with it, whether you want a poly or a, a, a multi-filament, any questions you guys have, uh, send a crack racket, send a tennis point. We, we will, I'll make sure uh, Gruskin or Dalton or Daniel Westoff, one of the guys we get, we get it on the podcast and we can talk about it guys. Cause uh, we do want to make sure you guys have all the information you, you need to make your, uh, your best purchase, whether it's string, racket, grip, shoe, whatever. So if you guys have any questions, send them our way. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And again, all of these items available, tennis-point.com. Use that promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. With that said, Nate Dog, let's talk some tennis. And I asked you to put together your list. I put together mine. This is how we can help kick off our Australian Open coverage, which shockingly, shockingly, Nate, begins next week. I'm not mentally, physically, emotionally prepared for all of the tennis that's coming our way. Certainly, there was no chasers, six ATP and WTA events, four challengers last week to follow. We got right back into it, but that that action does not slow down. We've got more tennis happening this week, Australian Open qualities happening as well, and then main draw play underway next week. Of course, we will be doing our usual coverage of all things Grand Slam tennis. We're going to talk men's and women's contenders over the next couple of days, dark horses, look at the Americans on the Great Shot podcast feed. You can find all those episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts or on our website, crackrackets.com. But again, let's dip the toes into the water here. On today's podcast, Nate, let's do a couple of things. We can offer our final thoughts on last week's action, talk a little bit about this week's action, but I want to talk mostly about the players you're irrationally excited for heading into this 2022 Australian Open. And again, that doesn't mean they're a contender. That doesn't mean they're a dark horse. Maybe they do fall under one of those categories, American, whatever it may be. But those players who just, for whatever reason it may be, you will be following most closely when their draw comes out. You will be locked in to their first-round matches. Now, I will do my best to not repeat names over the course of the next week. Inevitably, it'll happen, so you may hear some of that philosophy in today's list. I'm sure there are other players I'll be talking about who I'm quite excited about over the next couple of weeks. But Nate Dog, I'm going to open things up to you first. It can be a man, it can be a woman, whatever it may be. Give me a player you are irrationally excited for entering the 2022 Australian Open. Give me uh, number one, the guy that I mean, I was excited about this past season, but I'm probably even more excited this season would be Seb Corda, uh, a guy that Adidas Tennis has, has made one of the faces of their brand, which I thought was a really interesting move. Is they're betting on Seb as, uh, as one of their main guys. 
Uh, you see Dominic Team, you see Sitsi Paz, and now you see Seb Corda being kind of filling in there as like to fill out that trio of guys that's going to rep their brand the heaviest on court. And I think that's a, a great choice. Is he's got the big game needed, the one two. Um, to kind of be dangerous at all these events. And I think as he gets stronger, as he matures physically, he's got a very structured game plan on and off the court with his scheduling, with his workout routines. And I think as he de develops his body and adds a little more pop to the serve, that's a guy that I'm always going to be looking to see where he is in a draw, uh, especially at these majors and seeing what kind of impact he can make uh, in, in early stages in his career. Is he's got such a beautiful game to watch. Um, he's the backhand is, he can be aggressive with it. It's, He's a little more got got a little flatter strokes than what I think um, is, is typical for the modern game, but he's so precise with it, and he, he's just dialed in on both wings, and he moves well. Got he has the hands. I I, I think he, I like how he carries himself on the court. He seems to kind of stay mentally locked in and engaged, and that's that's the guy that um, that I wanted to bring up first. Is I think he's got a bright future ahead for American tennis. Yeah, Sebastian Corda, twenty and twelve last year in hardcore events. Now, he wasn't able to play the Australian Open last season, so these are low-hanging fruit in terms of points he can add to his resume, try and build towards cracking that top 30 for the first time in his career. Now, he did make the Delray Beach final to start last season. He does have Miami Masters quarterfinal points coming up to defend in March, but you look for Subcorda last season, again, averages amongst top 50 players. He held 80.9% of the time. That was good for, you know, 29th amongst top 50 players, but actually slightly above the average number of the top 50. He broke serve 24.5% of the time. That number, exceptional. That's a top 15 number. And again, mm -hmm. it's worth mentioning, Seb Corda, 21 years old in July of last season. So still 21 years old here entering this year. He's already proven from the metrics. He can be a top 25 guy, if not better, moving forward. And you mentioned it, the physical profile. He's everything you want in your modern day player. And, you know, again, he's a guy who six foot four, five, sometimes six, I suppose, depending on the right day and just can pop the serve. And Oh my God, his backhand is special. It flashes mm -hmm. that Zverev Medvedevian, just again, the drive he's able to produce, the pace, his ability to rip that ball through you both down the line, but of course, perhaps more impressively, he will hit the winner just if you give him time standing in from the center of the court, cross court with that drive. I think the slice has bite to it as well. He's a willing and comfortable volleyer. He's not mm -hmm. the most athletic. But it reminds you of young Tsitsipas, where you think it's a strength thing, mm -hmm. and he's dealt with so many injuries throughout his career. And so, again, I can understand why you would be excited about him, and he's a guy who we've seen have a run at a Grand Slam before you go back to 2020 when he was able to make the fourth round of Roland Garros, beats Isner, beats Pedro Martinez before getting knocked out by Rafa. A little disappointing at the slams last year, had to retire against mm -hmm. Basilis Vili at the U.S. Open, makes the fourth round of Wimbledon, should have beaten Hatchinov in the fifth set, doesn't, you know, loses first round Roland Garros, but that was uh, after winning in Parma the week before, you know, lose, or doesn't play the Australian Open last year. Was not a great year for him at the slams. I can understand mm -hmm. your irrational excitement, but, you know, the slam component does come back to the physicality. Three out of five sets. Mm -hmm. That's the piece for Korda that'll take him over the top. It's a good opportunity to see that. The third round, fourth round, like that's my expectations for him. I, I'm not irrationally excited because I just don't know if he's quite ready yet to go further than that. Yep. I think that's that's the point is that he's is if the physicality of his game kind of matches up with his talent and his um, 
I mean, the power in his game. But I think I think that's where he can kind of get to that quarterfinal at a slam. Is I, I do think he has the uh, the arm talent and just he's got a live arm. He's he's just mentally, I feel like he's pretty uh, solid in that department. Where I think he's able to kind of carpet compartmentalize and move on uh, past errors and kind of put together those strings of two or three games in a row where he's locked in uh, painting, painting corners. And I guess just being a, a tennis and w- waiting for that next American to, uh, to pop. I mean, it's obviously him and Fritz is the guys that I think are going to be keeping, keep an eye on at least this year. I don't know if you agree with that opinion or not. Obviously Opelka and Tiafo and Brooksby are in there as well. But how do you feel? Who do you, who do you think finishes the year at a higher ranking right now? You got Fritz or, or uh, Corda? Good question. Corda, I like his weapons. I like his length. And I think he's a little more fluid on the clay than Fritz is. That said, Taylor Fritz was on the short list for my list here. I just know I'm going to talk about him in the Americans podcast because there is a nonchalantness. I know that's not a word, but a nonchalant attitude to Taylor Fritz, the way he approaches opponents' ground strokes now, he is just not phased by how hard you hit the ball. His He looks at it and it's like, huh, you can only do that? Watch what I can do. And he just gives you back pace and his ability to absorb, redirect. He is so good at the tennis part of tennis outside of the volleys, which he's gotten better at. And it's just an athleticism question, but the athleticism has gotten so much closer. I think Corda starts from a better place than Fritz does in terms of a lateral movement. But I think Fritz might be a little bit further along and just he's reading the game so clearly over these past four or five months and just hitting so with such confidence. He also, like, he's done fine at the slams. He hasn't done outstandingly well. He still has never made a fourth round, and I think that's one of the takes of the year. I will be shocked if we come out of the season with Taylor Fritz still not having a fourth round at a slam on his resume. I mean, the answer to your question is all of the Americans, right? Cressy makes a yeah. final in his first sure. week here. And it's like, yeah, you know, again, Nakashima, yeah, was... good win over Vestley. And Giron didn't look great. I thought Mackie looked really good in a first-round win. Tommy Paul, I thought, looked really good when he knocked off Tiafo last week. And I don't think he looked that poorly against Gael Monfils. I thought Monfils, actually, that was probably his best uh, match yeah. at the tournament. The answer is all the Americans. Really. They all look good. I The, the real question mm-hmm. is, can we get they 10 do. in the top 50 by the end of the year? And can we get one, if not two, in the top 20? I think the answer to both those questions could be yes. So I, it's a mm-hmm. tough – I'd lean Fritz, but it's tough. I, I think, again, Corda had – you know, he had the title run, the final run, the next-gen stuff. Fritz, Fritz didn't really have that many big runs outside of Indian Wells last year. I just feel like Fritz is in a better position to outperform his previous season than Corda is, and because of that, I think Fritz ends up higher, higher in the rankings. I can see Corda just repeating uh-huh. his season from last year, which, by the way, to do that twice in a row before the age of 22 is absolute progress. And like, I think that's the uh-huh. metric for Corda, just stay top 50 at the end of this year. For Fritz, it's pushing to the top 20. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair, and I think it's. Uh, I, I've listened to you. Um, you, you mentioned Cressy, and I, I got stuck on it with his ability to take the backhand return early. Oh, on the, his on the backhand's rise. just good. It is, and he's not, and he's just trusted. He he has so much control with it, and he he can jump. He can jump like with his height. He can jump up, take it early, and just to redirect it so well. 
I, I really was impressed with what he showed in Australia in week one. Which made and me so I, frustrated whenever he elected to slice the backhand from a neutral position. I understand the chip mm-hmm. and charge, and I think he gets good depth on that slice. But there were times mm-hmm. when he would be stuck in a baseline rally with Nadal, and he'd play the backhand slice. And it's just like you're a glutton for punishment at that point because you're giving Nadal time. And your backhand slice, unless you're pushing forward behind it, is not good enough to do that against Rafa. But your backhand was good enough to hang. Like, he absorbed the Rafa topspin, and because he's so tall, that ball right in his strike zone. That was textbook tennis, and it's just, that's why, like, some of his shot choices were a little frustrating in that final, because he did play pretty well. No, we're talking about irrational excitement for players. That guy has irrational confidence, and I think that's why he's able to... Through the fucking roof. It's unbelievable. He just trusts his game plan, his, his, his plan A, and he rides it, and... I think he's dangerous, and that's a guy that you saw how excited Rafa was uh, in the big points to come through because he knew that was a tricky matchup, and that's that's a guy that, I mean, what he did to Grigor Dimitrov, super impressive. With his ability to kind of shape volleys back to the baseline, keep them low, he doesn't panic. I mean, even when he when he, when he he hits one uh, a little, he, he, he bunts one up in the air a little bit, he's not afraid of the one that's coming, coming at him 90 miles an hour. He's just – he's so talented, and um, that guy, I mean, comes out of nowhere. I mean, for – I mean, in, in a way, though, he's from out of, outside the top 100 where now you look at his trajectory this year, that's a guy you could easily see being in the top 60. I mean, with, with I mean, he's got a lot of points that he can, he can get after this year. So that was – I mean, American tennis is – it's deep. A lot of guys that can play inside the top 100. I'm, I'm anxious to see who can kind of get inside the top 50 with, with Tommy and Opelka, all those guys, Opelka. And, uh, I think Jensen Brooksby, unfortunately, he's out of the Australian Open, which I was really bummed about. But I'm pretty sure eight of the top 12 too. Americans, by the way, have college ties. And that's just another thought to throw in there. And, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to, to see how – Yeah, I want to see Max Cressy play more on clay. But it's certainly an impressive start to his season. All right, we're going to go a little quicker on yep. these next ones because if we spend nine minutes on all of them – We got carried away there. We'll both be late for everything. Well, that's how irrationally excited you are for Sebastian Corden. I can get behind it. I'm going to talk about him more, I'm certain, on other shows. Yannick Sinner is my number one answer to this question in terms of irrational excitement to seeing him play. And he went 3-0 and in in a ATP Cup, didn't drop a set, didn't have the toughest schedule, beats Purcell, Rinder Nash, Civilian. But those are three guys he should be popping, and he popped mm-hmm. all of them. And I know it was 3-6 and six against Rinder Nash and against Roman, but... I don't care. Yannick Sinner was playing chess and they were playing checkers. Yannick Sinner was hitting the ball so cleanly on those slow, high-bouncing hard courts. And if you give him time now, he will make you pay. He was one of three guys, him, Berrettini. I mean, I don't even think Bautista Gut would do it. Her cats at times could hit that level. And I guess FAA and the Felix (laughs) forehand. But there were like four guys who could actually hit through that court during the ATP Cup. He was one Mm -hmm. of them. And he just looks fitter. He looks more confident moving. And I swear to God, you can draw a through line from that match he lost to Francis Tiafoe at the end of last season. I want to say in Stockholm. No, not in Stockholm. In Vienna. You can draw a through line from that Vienna semifinal all the way And he was up a break in the second. All the way through where he is now. And there's an emotion he now plays with and a fire on court. I heard his voice, I swear to God, for the first time in my life. And I've been in a press conference with him. First time in my life I've heard Sinner's voice during that ATP Cup when he let out a roar after his victory uh, over Roman and Russia in that final group play match. And I just think he's ready. 
I like. I think mm-hmm. he he's won seventy percent of his last fifty two weeks. Man, I think he's fifty two and twenty two. Yeah, in his last fifty two weeks. I mean, again, got an experience to play the tour finals. Beats Hercats before losing to Medvedev. But you look at him down the home stretch of the year. Wins Antwerp semifinals Vienna, where he should have beaten Tiafo. Then you know, yes, loses to Alcaraz in Paris. Loses to Murray in Stockholm. But I thought played pretty well in the tour finals. Played exceptional in Davis Cup, exceptional in ATP Cup. I think he's straight up a contender to win this Australian mm-hmm. Open, particularly with all of the Djokovic hoopla. But even excluding that, if I was making a top five list, and we've talked about this, and by the way, I will be making a top five list on the Great Shot podcast later this week. Spoiler alert. It's going to be really hard for me to keep uh, to keep Yannick Sinner, excuse me, out of my top five. And so... Uh, that's, I think, a rational excitement. Number 11 in the world, still 20 years old. He's top five on my list. I mean, very likely. He's got, the six, he's got the six best odds right now on Vegas to win it all. Yeah. Plus 2,000. Justified. So, right. No, I think that's reasonable. No, I think, like you said, the AT, that's another reason we love the ATP Cup, is this guy, you put a guy in his comfort zone around his fellow countrymen, and you give him that team atmosphere where he feels like he's playing for something bigger than himself, and the best comes out of this guy. And he, like you said, I hadn't really heard him. He's just a quieter guy, um, and he was able to kind of show some of his emotion and his fire and his passion, and I think that is able to bring his game up to another level. So that's a guy that's a, a, a great pick by you and a guy that I'm probably equally as excited about. But I just feel like, he, yeah, we've heard about him, and he's a super talented guy, but I think you're right. This is the year that you can look for him to make that jump and uh, re- reach a semi uh, of a slam. He's really freaking good, man. And again, I will talk about him more throughout the week on the Great Shot Podcast. Mm-hmm. All right, give me your next player. Let's go female here. Give me a women's player on your list. I'm gonna say, like this is I don't know this Naomi Osaka. Like I think people were wondering is she gonna retire? Is this the last we've seen of her? Uh, is she motivated to play this game? Is she what, what, what's her deal? And I think she's starting to erase those um, those doubts fairly quickly. And I think I even had it myself. I mean, I was like maybe this is just something she's going to need to set the racket down for a little while and take a break. And she did, but it was a lot shorter of a break than I thought it was going to be initially. And just to see her reach her level, I know she had a withdrawal from her her match, but to see her come out there and look as good as she did and physically fit is, and I was impressed with that aspect probably as much as her tennis. I think that's a huge sign for the women's game uh, to have someone as, with her dominance and her talent, her skill set. Um, that's someone that I, I, I think could honestly run off two majors maybe maybe have a look at a third one this year i mean she's got the game to do it and if she's motivated and in a good mental space i think that's someone that i'm gonna i'm just gonna watch to see her kind of dominate the season the last three years have proven when naomi osaka plays her best her best on a hard court is better than everyone else's Mm -hmm. no ifs no ands no buts about it the single best tennis I saw from everyone, not the not most sustained excellence, not the best match, but the single best flash of tennis I saw from anyone over the course of the first 10 days of this season was from her last week. I think it was in Melbourne 1. She was excellent in her first couple of matches, and it wasn't the toughest schedule of matches, but her serve, her plus-one ball, her ability to rip that backhand cross-court for a winner, her ability and the unpredictability of her forehand plus-one shot. You don't know if she's going inside-out, inside-in, down the line, her ability to hold until the last second on that ball. You're right. She looked fit as a fiddle was moving extraordinarily well. Now, unfortunately, did have to pull out with injury, but if it this she was on my short list as well because from an irrational excitement standpoint, 
She is now my favorite to win the Australian Open. This was a reminder. Her best on a hard court is better than everyone else's. And Ashley Barty, her win over Iga Sviantek was the single best match I saw any player on the WTA put together last week. I also think Sviantek, Elena Rabakina, that's your Mount Rushmore from week one. Those were the four players who all looked ridiculous. Even in Sviantek's loss to Barty, those first four games were like 38 minutes. She played so well throughout the course of the week. Vika looks pretty good playing power tennis. Rabakina dusts. She dusts. I couldn't believe that. And these are all players. Oh, go ahead. Emma was thrilled to get a game. I mean, she like let out a smile, and I was like, wow, just to get a game. She's like, I did it type type feeling, and that was just a beatdown. I didn't, I did not see that coming. Um, but Rabakina tried to take the uh, Rabakina, excuse me, Radakanu tried to take this return of serve early. It just never worked because Rabakina yeah. got plus one forehand, corner, 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 drop shot mixed in every eighth ball. She dusted her. Like, and yeah. uh, it's not even a hot take anymore. And I, you know, during the off season, I said who's the players I think best positioned to take a jump this year. I said Elena Rabakina, who has finished every season ranked higher than the season prior. And that's, it's a take, you know, it's, it's a take stat. that's been brewing for a couple of years here uh, at Crack Rackets. But she just belongs to Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. Her best is as good as anyone's. I'm going to talk about her more throughout the course of the week. But I, again, all of these players, Osaka as well. It's just a reminder of power tennis reign supreme. When you can play on your terms, that matters. I agree with you. If she's healthy, she's the favorite. Yep. And I, th- yeah, I think she's just, wait, who did you say is the favorite? You said who? Osaka. Osaka, Osaka. yeah. But I, I'm interested to see how, like, a girl like Rabakina, if I want to see that matchup. I just want to see the big hitting on the biggest stage, like a Nazi Open, and see how Osaka handles that. Because um, I think, yeah, I mean, like, a month ago, I would have never said probably that Osaka is going to be the favorite to win the Aussie Open. I just didn't know where she was mentally. I didn't know where her fitness was. It's crazy how how quick the, the, flip, uh, the, the script has flipped um, in a matter of weeks, it feels like. But... No, Osaka's one that I'm excited about. And I would say the last one, which is I feel like the whole tennis world is um, hyped to see what he does. But Carlos Alcaraz, that, that's the guy that's the, the superstar waiting to flourish. And he's got the goods. I, I think that's a guy that even at an early, what is he, 18 or 19, 19 years old, he's he's a guy that you, you can look for him to make a second week of a Grand Slam for sure and even do some more damage. And that's a guy no one wants to play. He start, he's starting to figure it out. I mean, as quickly as quickly as anybody, and he's he, he's not scared to move forward and finish at the net, and I think that's what's going to set him apart from some of these other top ten guys. It's like uh, I was talking to Holger Rune, and he was these guys are noticing that not not even the guys in the top ten want to get um, gets the net to finish, and that's something that like an Alcaraz, he's able to do it, and he's he's got the big the big forehand inside out that he's going to get to get to the net and finish, and he's so athletic, and he, his his foot speed is next to none, so. Alcaraz is, is the last guy that I, I have to say is, is a superstar in the making, and I, I don't think that's a hot take by any means. But, um, yeah, he, he's going to be great for the game for a long time, and I, I love Juan Carlos Ferrero and him as a duo. So that's that, that's probably the last one that I'm I'm pretty stoked about this year. It's a very good take. A couple names I would add to the list. Simona Halep, who we talked about a little bit yesterday with David Kane, and it's the flip side of the weapons. But in terms of you know people who have moved well, she looks as fit as any player in the draw. Mm-hmm. And I thought Barty got a lot better from a footwork perspective, from a movement perspective throughout the course of the week. And ultimately, she ended up in the winner's circle. 
But, man, Simona Halep just – she anticipates so well. If she gets her racket on the ball, it's going to come back with some sort of depth and some sort of precision. Her ability to turn defense into offense, spectacular. Her ability – just her ability to hit the on-the-run cross-court ball. She just brings an element of defensive tennis. It's the perfect contrast to every opponent, and I just I, – I will forever remain a fr- fan of her game. I'm irrationally excited because, again, 2020, she was like 27-2. and two. 27 and 3 overall. She beat Sviantek in that French Open. She was winning the tournament. And it's just Sviantek was the buzzsaw in that event. And that, you know, kind of casts a shadow over Simona's year. Let's also be clear if Simona Halep wins an Australian Open, she would then be one title away at the U.S. Open from completing the career Grand Slam. And just like, given the longevity of Simona, what a stat to define her that would be. I'm rooting for it. I think we all should. I think Simona's got another Grand Slam run in her. Oh, the I, window I, I like is closing, though. I feel like this could be. I like it. the take, and I think what, what a contrast in uh, coaching styles that Cahill goes from Simona Halep, who is, like you said, a primarily defensive specialist, who has some offensive pop when when, when needed, but then she then he goes to Anna Samova, who we, who both take home titles in week one, and um, Anna Samova, I mean, defense isn't in, in her vocabulary. She's just ready to rip the ball, huh. take the cover off of it, and hit corners and swing out till till the till the final ball. So. Um, yeah, Cahill goes from from one one playing style to the other and um, has success early. So happy for that partnership, and I think that's a, a great a great addition for for Team Anisimova. And I think she's one that could could see a big jump after her ranking kind of fell a little bit this past season. I agree with you there, and she was someone on the short list, someone I'm sure we will talk about more uh, throughout the course of our preview podcast. Let me throw two more names at you because I know you got to go. Roberto Bautista Gut, boy, was he excellent. At the ATP Cup. He, he is just, again, 33, 34 years old. Beginning of the year makes sense for Roberto Bautista Gut. It's not the wear and tear of the 10-month season, and he's as fresh and fit as he is at any point of the year. A slow hardcore just feels like the perfect surface for him. His ability to bait opponents into challenging his on-the-run forehand. He hits his on-the-run forehand cross-court as well as anyone in the men's game and just... Again, he baits you into testing that side because he's going to hit the cross court, but then he's going to hit that ball behind you down the, the line and just the passing it, shot for it, he, it, it, Yeah, he's hitting this. He's also hitting the serve well, and again, he's moving so well right now. Just physically, three out of five sets. That guy is a nightmare, and he's a he's a tough matchup for just any opponent with the game style he plays. He doesn't give you much to work with. Plays the you know percentage tennis. Plays depth plays angles, doesn't hit this line drive, you know, doesn't hit the most perfect rally ball for you to re- absorb and redirect the spin of, plays a little bit flatter as well. He is, I'm irrationally, I think quarterfinals, semifinals, if he's able to bring that ATP cup level in, there is no reason he can't make a semifinal. No, like yeah. That's he's, how well, even if Djokovic is playing his best, there's no reason he can't. I heard you it. recap his match versus Hercots on the last podcast, and like I think you said it well, like Hercots did not play bad. He hit 21 aces i think it was or whatever and i mean that's yeah. good enough to win but i mean like we said on the on, on previous podcasts hercots has to like he he just has to find a way to get on that front foot more often on the forehand because i thought that was a matchup that he could win but batista Goot was a tough customer there and that's i mean what a that was maybe my favorite match of the of the year i know it's early but that that was one of my top three probably most entertaining start to finish that i was like this is just high level tennis from both guys and batista Agut, i mean spain just continues to pump out ridiculous talent like and they and these guys all play till they're in their mid-30s i mean you got rafa ferrer verdasco lopez batista good it looks like pablo carina is gonna or, uh yeah it looks like he's gonna play for a while 
I mean, you have, Falkina can't even get in the lineup, and it's like it's just Team Spain has just got so many tough customers. And then you got the, obviously the young and coming in with Alcaraz. So uh, I, I'm a little jealous. I hope I hope I hope Team USA can uh, find some of that top end talent here soon. Yeah, the only other two names I throw at you: Shelby Rogers, who still just fit as a fiddle. And that's been the biggest difference in her past 18 months is just how well she's moving, comfortable swinging through that backhand now. Serve forehand have always been top flight weapons. Her and then Emil Rusevori. You've been on that yeah, you're riding that one hot and heavy, man. I... Well, you want to watch someone pop a forehand, go watch his forehand. It sounds different. It looks different. The weight and the momentum of that ball, it's just a nightmare to deal with. He is very much in the Tsitsipas, Fritz camp of the tennis has never been the issue. It's been a physicality issue. I don't. He's never going to move as well as Tsitsipas does. I think he can be a better mover than Fritz. Sure. I think he strikes the ball he so cleanly. I, 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 again... Boy, can that man no, have a forehand. Yeah, and so uh, I think both him and Rogers on this surface, just keep an eye out for both of them. I like that take. Uh, Rusevori and Nadal, um, was that the first round, I believe? For se- uh, semifinal. Uh, semifinal. Yeah, that was just a matchup that yeah. – Rafa, I know he didn't play anybody in the top 50, but I thought that was a great tournament for him to win, especially early on. And I thought he yeah. played pretty damn well. I mean, guys like Rusevori, that's a dangerous guy to play on, on a slower court. That is, that is, like you said, is not the most gifted mover, but – when the ball slows up for him a little bit and he's able to get up and set up, set his feet and plant and push, that dude's dangerous. And um, he really had a crazy streak there last year. And it seems that, that he's kind of just rode that wave of momentum and his game just continues to kind of evolve. And I think as he gets more physically fit, adds some muscle, he's still pretty skinny. As he adds some muscle to that frame, that's a guy that you can look at to uh, potentially go on a, a little mini run at a major. I completely agree with you. With all that said, uh, as always, you want to hear more from Nate Dog? you can. Plug the podcast. Tell me what you guys got going on. I appreciate that. Pure Tennis Podcast is the name of it, guys. Um, we, it's, it's it's a newer newer podcast to the uh, to the meta, meta world. But it, uh, we're like 10 episodes in. We had a, a few guests. We're going to do some more college guests. Hopefully some more ATP WTA players on there. Gruskin, he promised us a, a, a visit on there. So, uh, no, it's, it, we're, ha- we're having fun with it. And, uh, yeah, check us out on Spotify, um, on SoundCloud, wherever you guys listen to your podcast. And, um, yeah, appreciate that. For the record, I try to never decline a podcast appearance because I know that hustle. And I'm like, oh, I've been there. When you put yourself out there and you're just like, please, guys, please come on. <laughs> For you, Nate, you might be the one person I'll decline. I'll say sorry, Nate. I can't do it. Yeah, don't, don't make me cry <laughs> live on this podcast right now. Yeah, you're the one person I'll big time and not Dang. feel bad about. I was going to send you your team yellow, no, your team yellow hoodie when it came in. Now I, we might have to hold. <laughs> No, wait, wait, wait. I, there's nothing I love more than a hoodie. So I'm freaking in, and you know I'm always there. Pure Tennis Podcast, all things Tennis Point, Instagram, Twitter. Follow Nate on Twitter as well. Um, yeah, dude, always a pleasure. To, to see you on the show and obviously immensely grateful for all you guys do at Tennis Point. Again, you can go check out the latest and greatest equipment at tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. If you've missed any of our content, 
college contenders, recaps of what's happening on the ATP and WTA Tour, recaps of the Challenger Tour, our conversations with the Power 5 men's and women's coaches. You can catch up on them all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, The Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interview Podcast, and our YouTube channel to ensure that you don't miss out on any of the action. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the fuck of an NA job he does day in, day out. With all of that said, for my fantastic co-hosts, Nate Walrath, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate Dog. what do we tell the people? Much love, and that's the break, baby. And we will see you all next week. Thank Thanks you, as always, my friend. Sooner.